Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Larson and in this episode I am talking to Dr. Elizabeth Lovegrove about research into ACE inhibitors and the risk they pose in pregnancy. Just before we get into that, I've got one quick housekeeping notice. If you are a UK-based subscriber to the BJGP and if you're a member of the Royal College of GPs, then you will be, uh, you need to opt in if you want to receive a copy of the monthly print journal. So everyone can access the digital flipbook, but you need to opt in to get that monthly print copy landing on your doorstep. There are links in the emails that have been sent by the college and by the journal. But if you're missing those or you just want to go direct, then visit www.bjgplife.com forward slash print. So that's bjgplife.com forward slash print. And you can take that step to opt in. OK, so let's get back to the research today. So. Dr. Elizabeth Lovegrove, she's an academic clinical fellow in general practice in Portsmouth, England. And Elizabeth worked with a team at the Institute of Population Health Sciences, Queen Mary University of London for this research. The BJGP has just published a paper titled Pregnancy Protection and Pregnancies in Women Prescribed ACE Inhibitors or ARBs Across Sectional Study in Primary Care. We got a chance to sit down and discuss this with Elizabeth and the first thing I asked her was to tell us a little bit more about ACE inhibitors and their effect on women and pregnancies. So obviously ACE inhibitors and ARBs are first line for hypertension in people under the age of 55 um, and particularly for women of childbearing age um, we think they're quite important so if they're accidentally taken during pregnancy especially during the second and third trimesters of a pregnancy, it can cause quite a few fetal abnormalities. Um, thankfully, they're often not as severe as something, say, as Valproate, but um, can certainly have sort of long-lasting effects on the child. Um, so the most common problem is um, poor renal development um, and renal dysfunction. They can also cause intrauterine growth restriction as well and preterm delivery. Um, and can also lead to oligohydraminos and all of the defects that are associated with that. Um, so their main sort of big problem is in the second and third trimesters, but there have been some studies that have shown that there can be defects when they're only taken in the first trimester as well, um, which is obviously quite a big problem because often if a pregnancy is unplanned, it's not recognised until quite a substantial way through the first trimester. Um, and so if you're having defects associated with first trimester use, that was quite a concern for us. Um, there's a limited number of studies showing first trimester defects, but they certainly are there and they tend to be more central nervous system defects. And there's also a suggestion of an increased uh, miscarriage rate as well. What was really interesting about this paper for me was that I didn't really, it wasn't on my radar. I wasn't aware that ACE inhibitors were teratogenic. And that's obviously the, perhaps one of the key messages we want to get across to our clinical colleagues to bear that in mind but tell us a little bit more now about what you did in your study with that important knowledge in mind. Mm. So we essentially took a snapshot of prescribing in East London GP practices from October 2018 to January of 2019 and we looked at um, 141 GP practices in East London which all use the EMIS system and we looked at how many women of childbearing age, and that we did between age of 15 and 45, are prescribed either an ACE inhibitor or an angiotensin receptor blocker. Once we'd obtained how many women that was, which was just over two and a half thousand over, over a three month period, 
we then looked as to whether those women had recorded either preconception advice or contraception advice or any form of contraception prescribed, um, i.e. had been given some sort of pre-pregnancy planning. Um, and to see how many of those women had had those in their records, we based it on read codes only. So we didn't look into uncoded information. Um, we essentially found that very few women have any symptoms and worryingly very few also have con contraception prescribed as well. Um, the levels were very low. So we found that um, only about sort of 1.3% had any sort of preconception advice coded in their notes, 8.5% had any contraception advice in their notes, and a similar amount had any contraception prescribed. And the vast majority, so just over 80%, had no advice and no contraception sort of coded in their notes. I mean, arguably, they could have had that advice from elsewhere, say sexual health centres, for example, but generally GPs and primary care is the mainstay of giving this kind of advice. And essentially, we found that not very many women were having that advice. So of course, there is the possibility that GPs are just not recording it, but that doesn't change the medical legal reality that if it's not recorded, it's not done. And I think we both would strongly suspect from clinical practice that this, this is not happening, is it? Exactly. So it's very plausible that the GPs are giving the advice of the lady walking out the door, for example, and aren't writing it down. And also plausible that the information is being pretexted into the notes, which is not something we looked at and is not being coded. But as you say, if it's not written down, then someone might argue that we haven't done it. Um, and that's obviously a big problem. Um, and it's certainly something that we found with our study. And worryingly as well, there was quite a large number of pregnancies in these women. Um, we couldn't definitely say that the women were taking the medication at the same time as the pregnancy, but they certainly had an active script issued for the ACE inhibitor or the ARB at the time of the pregnancy. Um, and so that's quite a concern as well. Uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to mention was that, as you say, it's not a trivial issue, this. There are increasing numbers of pregnancy in older women, particularly, and those and, you know, and, uh, who may well suffer from hypertension in particular, which is the obvious reason that they'll end up on an ACE inhibitor. So certainly, so as, as we're all well aware, the sort of obesity and epidemic in, in, in the UK and the world is ever increasing. And so therefore the metabolic syndrome and rates of hypertension and diabetes are increasing um, and in certainly younger age groups as well. Um, so I think the prescription rates of ACE inhibitors angiotensin receptor blockers are only going to increase in younger women under the age of 45. And, and so it's something we've definitely got to prepare for. And as these studies have shown that, that there are teratogenic effects of these medications, I think we need to react to that in a timely fashion and put some safety measures in place to prevent the disasters happening like we have seen with Valproate. Thankfully, the the two academic effects aren't quite as severe, but they're certainly there and can have long-lasting consequences for a child. So I think we need to prepare for those increasing prescription rates. It's a very timely study, uh, particularly when we think about the recent report that obviously, uh, and the, you know, and the widespread action we've seen across the system to manage the risks from Valproate. Uh, we really, we really should be adding ACEs to the list. What, what do the, um, what do, what are nice say about prescribing? Because there were some interesting comments in your paper about this as well. That there are some, there are some tensions there. 
Certainly. So NICE currently recommend under 55 to be prescribed either an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. Um, interestingly, there have been MHRA warnings out um, recently about prescribing of ACE inhibitors in women of childbearing age and certainly in women who are breastfeeding, which is slightly contradicts what NICE recommend. And when you look at um, guidelines from around the world, there's quite variation in what they would recommend. Some guidelines are as, go as stringently as to say to not prescribe these medicines in women of childbearing age, or if you, as a last resort, have to prescribe them, then they must be co-prescribed with contraception, and there has to be shared decision-making with the woman and sort of an acknowledgement of risk um, regarding the teratogenic effects. So, um, nice are slightly different in that respect and don't really touch on that. NICE advise that clinicians should be informing their patients of the teratogenic risks of ACE inhibitors and ARBs, but don't go as far as to say that they must also be prescribed contraception. Okay, so there's a lot there to bundle up for GPs to um, to do. What, what do you think some of the main actions GPs could take are here? I think the first thing is actually awareness, really. And I think from, from discussing with colleagues, the awareness that a medication that such as Ramipril, for example, that I think we all prescribe pretty much every day, we really need to stop and think about the person that we're prescribing it to and whether and make sure that we're giving the advice. Um, and so I think sort of clinician awareness that this rather innocuous medication actually can cause quite severe effects in an otherwise well patient. I think needs to be more at the forefront of our minds that it might be, than it may perhaps be at the moment. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Moving moving forward from that, um, I think we then need to think about prescribing safety measures. Now I think often when we prescribe medications, we have the red boxes popping up um, about various risks, and unfortunately you can sort of get alert fatigue, can't you, and sort of click it away, um, and. I think we need to have a measured approach at trying to embed some sort of safety measure into the prescribing system of our clinical systems that we use to ensure that we're, whilst when we prescribe it, we're giving these women this advice and perhaps providing some contraception as well. And I think there has to be awareness um, with the women that we're prescribing to as well and make sure we're having that shared decision making and they understand the risks. Um, and so they will hopefully come to us before they decide to have a pregnancy and hopefully prevent this problem from happening. So I think there's a variety of ways that we can go to try and improve this. There would be an obvious, you, you think of quality improvement projects and it, gosh, it's the easiest thing in the world to run a search off on EMIS with mm. and prescribe medications and most computer systems are the same. Prescribed medications are hard coded into these systems. The age of the patient and you know females under 45, for example, you, and eight, you could very quickly have a list of potential um, women to address. So it'd be an easy one for GPs to pick up on, wouldn't it? Now, obviously, uh, we all appreciate there are multiple competing um, concerns, um, but it's potentially yeah. an area that, um, and they can all be audited and quality improved in some shape or form, but it's an, it would be an interesting one to tackle. What are you hoping to look at next with this work, Elizabeth? So I think next we'd, so the, the population that we looked at in East London, um, was very sort of socially economically diverse and may not be completely generalizable to the rest of the UK. So we'd like to expand it further and to look at it more on a more national scale as to how much this is affecting women and how safe we are at prescribing. Um, and we'd also look, like to look at some other commonly prescribed medications which also have teratogenic effects 
in younger women, such as things like carbimazole, for example, um, which we prescribe relatively regularly and expand that and look at whether we're safely prescribing that as well. And then we'd like to start thinking about how we can improve things. And certainly the, the measures that have been brought in to do with Valparaiso are certainly food for thought. And that's taken, you know, 30 or 40 years since we knew that it was a problem for those things to become commonplace and be put in place. So we'd like to get on top of this and make sure there's not such a time delay with medications such as ACE inhibitors. Yeah, it sounds like tremendously important work. Elizabeth, could you just, just finally, just to round things off, could get you to summarise your key messages from your research? Mm. So ACE inhibitors and your receptor blockers are being increasingly prescribed in women of childbearing age. We've found that concerningly, very few of these women um, receive any pre-pregnancy planning or contraception, and it can lead to an important number of pregnancies, which may be inadvertently exposed to ACE inhibitors and ARBs, nor the teratogenic effects that go with that. So we feel there's certainly room for improvement with prescribing safety in primary care. Elizabeth, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time today. No problem. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thank you.